Mondo overall has kind of been a uh, in the, in the works, you know, for probably the better part of like 16, 16 years or so. Kind of when I started guiding um, back in the day, and I was kind of the oddball um, in in the guide community around here. I, I, I was the guy that didn't wear a cowboy hat. I kind of I wore you know skate shoes and baggy pants, and you know listen to punk rock music. I wasn't the guy listening to you know folksy. Uh, country music or any of that kind of stuff, and so I, I, you know, I grew up kind of different than a lot of these kids that were that were getting into the, the into the guide community out here. And so uh, Mondo was kind of fly fishing to the 22-year-old, 23-year-old me. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, a look behind the scenes of the fly fishing world, featuring insight from guides and gear reps, conversation with resort managers, thoughts on entomology, discussions on fly patterns and destinations, and plenty of fish stories. Most importantly, it's an exploration of this lifelong journey we call fly fishing. Here is your host, Mark Hopley, with this episode of Fly Fishing 97. Taylor Barlow, Mondo Fly Fishing, the co-founder. Taylor, thanks for coming on the program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I appreciate you, you having us. Yeah, well, you and I covered a little bit of ground a few weeks ago, kind of on uh, kind of what you guys were all about and uh, a little bit about the podcast and uh, just setting it up. I, I, I got pretty stoked chatting with you because uh, it sounds like you're doing some pretty exciting things over at Mondo. We're pretty excited about what we've got going on. Um, it's kind of been... Mondo overall has kind of been a uh, in the, in the works, you know, for probably the better part of like 16, 16 years or so. Kind of when I started guiding um, back in the day, and I was kind of the oddball. Mondo is kind of the fruition of all kinds of, uh, you know, I I was always kind of the odd guy um, in the, in the guide community around here. I, I, I was the guy that didn't wear a cowboy hat. I kind of I wore you know skate shoes and baggy pants and you know these listen to punk rock music i wasn't the guy listening to you know folksy uh country music or any of that kind of stuff and so i, I you know i grew up kind of different than a lot of these kids that were that were getting into the, the into the guide community out here and so uh mondo was kind of uh essentially sell fly fishing to the 22 year old 23 year old me Tell me about how that journey all started for you. So I know uh, uh, you must have hooked up with Levi at one point to start uh, Mondo, and maybe maybe tell our listeners a little bit about about that journey. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think um, you know Levi and I have known each other for uh, a long time. I think oh three oh four is kind of when we became friends. Um, you know, and Mondo specifically, as Mondo is today, was wasn't really it wasn't fabricated or created. It um, it kind of it kind of started. Um, uh, becoming a little seed that um, started to grow a little bit when I, Levi and I were both working in the oil fields in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of something we had chatted about when we, we, we discussed it as if we were, um, you know, we were in prison, so to speak. It's like, when we get out of here, we're going to go do this. And, you know, and watching, and um, that was about, let's see, fall of 2011 is when we, um, you know, is when we started in North Dakota. And that was about the time social media became big. So it was interesting to watch while I was in North Dakota um, for those four years or so, watching, um, you know, fly fishing kind of become something that younger kids were doing. And I don't know if it was necessarily more younger kids were doing it or there was always this underground younger kids fly fishing, but had no way to kind of outlet and show what they were up to. And so while I was in North Dakota watching the social media, I kept thinking, finally, Finally, fly fishing 
has is starting to get a little bit of notoriety with the younger generation, and it's not it's not the Brad Pitt River runs through it kind of fly fishing anymore. And I saw that, and so as we were in North Dakota, I was like, man, when I get out of here, I'm gonna I, I got to create that brand that I've always wanted to create uh, to sell fly fishing to the kids and take it kind of out of the country club vibe or attitude, you know, kind of some quasi like golf country club attitude to you know, more of an action sports sort of attitude, you know, in the same, the same attitude that I grew up with, same sensibilities that I grew up with, snowboarding, et cetera. So, um, I, I think, and then when I got, I was finished in North Dakota is when Levi and I started the actual, you know, pick and shovel elements of specifically Mondo and, you know, working on the source and the product, working on developing the brand and the narrative to what Mondo is going to be and positioning it and then finally launching it. I think that's something too. Um, I, I know the the fly fishing community is a very passionate community, and when you have something that kind of has an identity and has a, uh, you, you know, buying a brand means something. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, and I think I think to some degree that that I don't know if that hand gets overplayed, but to some degree, I, I think I think that the fly fishing community can afford to like peel that back a little bit. I mean, I think at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, these brands. I mean, the, the, the essentially, well, I, sh- I shouldn't say this because I, I, I've got a brand that, I, you know, I'm trying to uh, differentiate from all the other brands. But we're, we're, I mean, we're all trying to express our passion for fly fishing in the way we see fly fishing. But it, 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 the tribalism, I, I think, is probably what you're f- referring to. Yeah, it's, it's pretty strong. And my goal is to absolutely, like, tear that down. Yeah. Um, if you want to fish Winston, if you want to fish Sage, you want to fish Mondo, great. That's fine. Let's all go together and let's have a good time. Yeah. Let's enjoy the experience of fly fishing as opposed to, well, you know, you guys that fish nymphs versus streamers versus dry flies, you know, that, that there's something, you know, there's something wrong with you if you don't like to catch a fish on a dry fly or there's something wrong with you, you don't want to catch a fish on a streamer, et cetera. I, that tribalism is kind of, uh, it, it annoys me. I yeah, guess. well, you, let's so, face it, you used to have a lot of different camps, you know, um, there's kind of the purest traditional thing coming along with the old, like you say, dry flies on a chalk stream river. And then you got guys fishing strike indicators on still water. That's a, you know, there's so many different avenues and different venues to express fly fishing that I, I don't think we should label it. That's right. No, I, yeah. It's like, let's, let's all, you know, if you like to go to pyramid Lake and stand on a ladder and cast streamers, great. That's awesome. If you like to go to Harriman ranch in, in Idaho, and sit there and wait for one fish to come up and eat eat a small size 18 dry fly on your lawn chair for three hours. Great. If you want to go down to Florida, you want to jump hundred pound tarpon. Great. Just just leave leave that ego, leave that leave that like exclusivity out of whatever you've decided to do. Leave that alone. Leave that out. Right. We're all fly fishing. We all love the sport. Let's go have a good time and enjoy it. That's pretty darn well put hey so when the first the first product i'm curious that you came up with kind of to start building this brand was um well it was it was um well a fly rod naturally um and then as we kind of went along we decided you know if we're going to sell to a younger generation we probably ought to offer a, um, a range of products so that these individuals could buy from us specifically and, and go out and be successful. I mean, that was our number one goal. Go out and be, uh, enjoy the sport and be successful in the sport. And so it, as this developed, we were able to develop rods, reels, and lines. And then we teamed up with, you know, Umqua and Tacky and uh, Rising to, to get the, the, the tools to add into a, a package. And we ended up with a rod, reel, line, fly box flies, hemos, 
nippers, tippet, leader all in one package so that, you know, um, people don't have to go into necessarily go into a fly shop to get started. They could buy this package from us mm-hmm. and it's got everything you need to go out the first day and be successful. And so it started with the rod and then the reel and then the line naturally was a natural occurrence of, of that. The, uh, that's, that's, that was, that's essentially the, the first product. So I'd say that the rod reel line package and all the, all the equipment you need to get out and be successful fly fishing. When you start talking about products, I, I, I was looking at your fly rods, your reels, and the first thing that came to mind to me is, okay, you've got the traditional kind of look, but then you got these crazy wild graphics that really popped. And I thought, but you know what? That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and the, the graphic element, adding the graphic to the reel, um, that came you know, probably halfway through the process of you know, sorting out the brand and trying to figure out how we're going to differentiate ourselves. And so... Um, Levi and I, 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 I'll be honest, I don't specifically remember the moment when that came to us. Um, but it was essentially, again, trying to kind of nod to the action sports element of kind of how, how I was raised or how I grew up, I guess, and what was important to me growing up. Um, if you look at skate decks or snowboards or skis or surfboards, there's, there's graphics attached to these. And so I was, we kind of wanted to have a retro vibe with our reels anyhow, um, which kind of lent itself well to having a flat faced reel, which, you know, the, 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 in the progression of that reel, we were like, wow, well, we could put a graphic on these flat faced reels. And so we found, um, a, a way to, to paint, um, the graphic to the reel and, the, and the, it's, it's not, it's not a sticker. It's actually paint it's mm-hmm. like car paint. So it does scratch like your car paint would scratch, but, um, the reels are anodized and then we paint the graphic to it. So, what we did is, you know, just similar to skate decks or snowboards or anything like that, we're like, we wanted to go and get unique graphics from unique artists um, to paint to our reels. Uh, you can get the, the we, we offer the reels without the graphic and then with, with the graphic. And they, uh, one of the guys that was really pumped about, you know, the concept of, of putting a graphic on a fly fishing reel that no one had ever done before, I, I guess Abel done it, but it was really, um, you know, kind of, well, maybe not abstracty, but you know they got they just got fish colors and different things like that. And I think they got a little specific with cash, but uh, but we we met up with Sket One, who's a, a street artist out of Southern California, and he was pumped to do some stuff for us. So the two graphics that we offer for our reels are uh, Sket's graphics. So yeah, they're they're pretty wild looking. And I noticed if, if for those that want something a little uh, plainer, shall we say, you got the black ops. That's right. Yeah, the black and the silver, exactly. So uh, basically, we have uh, we have black uh, black and silver reels, and then um, uh, with uh, without the graphic, and then we have black and silver reels with with uh, a combination of of the graphics. I don't want to get too heavy into the technical aspect of, of fly reels because probably get way over my head. But um, oh, tell yeah. me a little bit about about your reels and uh, some of the, the the pluses about them. Well, it's a it's a it's a, a machined aluminum reel. Um, the drag is is pretty minimal. It's a disc drag. Uh, we wanted it to be minimal, uh, but it's it's a it's a trout reel. So it's it's not meant to have it's not meant to have copious amounts of drag to you know hold back crazy big fish. And I and I think to some degree sometimes people overstate the necessity for drag across the fly fishing world. Uh, there <laughs> there's those moments where you, you need heavy drag, but most of the time, a, uh, a reel is a line holder. It's kind of like a watch. Yeah. In a way, you can uh, you, you can get a Timex watch, you can get a Rolex watch. 
Um, if you know, it all does the same thing, then it's pretty simple functionality. Well, I think you're, you're, I agree with you 100% on the drag. I can count probably on uh, one hand how many times I've really, really counted on my drag to land a fish. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, us trout fishermen, I mean, naturally, like, we're, we're not fishing for GTs all the time or, you know, big, big pelagic fish. I mean, that, that would be a scenario where you'd, you'd probably, your drag becomes a lot more important. But, um, you know, anything in freshwater, I mean, you, you can control it all with your palm if it really gets out of hand. I mean, if you yeah. if you're if you're halfway into your backing, we've got other problems with how you're fishing. So <laughs> the drag isn't going to save you anyway. <laughs> yeah, I got to admit, one time it happened to me. Went all the way through all my backing and came to that last dreaded knot. You know, <laughs> you know the one that you forgot that you tied. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man, that's a horrible feeling. Yep, yep, yep. Exactly. Hey, that so, doesn't happen often though, so that's good. No, you got that right. So, um, question for you about your rods. So you're, um, I, not, again, um, uh, I'm, I'm sensing high modulus graphite, some, uh, funky colors and just some, some wild looking designs. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's a, it, the graphite on it, we, you know, the, the really, the, the really high end stuff that they're coming out with now, um, is, you know, it's fantastic carbon. Um, the downside to it, the way that it rolls on those, uh, the, the way the blanks come out is that they're, sometimes they're fairly brittle and, or like not very friendly to cast. I think, I think some of the new rods that have come out, you know, they, they've hyper-focused on engineering these things to fit a particular spec or have a, have a particular, um, when the rod comes to a, a stop that, that resonance, they're trying to, they're trying to eliminate a lot of things. They're trying to, in my mind, I think they're trying to over-engineer things. And with that becomes sometimes the castability is not quite there. The rod doesn't, the rod isn't as pleasurable to cast is probably an okay way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, what our goal was is to have a rod that was uh, a pleasure to cast, had a lot of soul to it in the sense that, it, you know, it casts smoothly and, you know, you can feel the rod load, you can feel the rod release the line. Um, and then also to be durable. So when you get those 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 higher end carbons, which are fantastic, the, the the downside is a lot of them become fairly brittle. Um, you hit it against a hard surface or a streamer, like a like a bead head or a, a cone head comes back and hits the blank, it'll soften that spot. And you know, if you really put the bend of the rod, at some point it's going to break. Mm-hmm. So our goal was to kind of come in with a use a carbon that was a little more a little hardier, um, and and the action of the rod had a bit of soul to it, you know, meaning like you could just feel the rod load, feel a lot of rod release and it's a fish catching machine. So that, that was our number one goal. There's a lot of brands out there that are really fine tuning, highly engineering their stuff, which is great. And a lot of people like that stuff, but that wasn't our goal with the flow cannon model that we, that we launched with. We're chatting today with Taylor Barlow, co-founder of Mondo fly fishing. And I'm curious about, this is on a deeper level from a business perspective when, okay, so you're coming off the rigs, you're doing this 360, uh, probably life change, you know, new career. What's the biggest thing you've learned, uh, since you started, uh, Mondo fly fishing? Um, you know, I, I, I'd have to say probably how insular the industry is. Um, I don't know if if that's, that's, you know, it's kind of insulting way to put it, but, um, it, the, 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 how tribal, how tribal everybody is, um, and how people, people aren't ultra interested in hearing about 
something new or a new fly rod brand, they're always interested in hearing about, you know, new fly boxes or new, new, new gadgets or gizmos. Um, I think, I think what I've really learned is, you know, that people kind of have what they're used to and what they're comfortable with, and that's what they're going to stick with. Um, and trying to convince them that, you know, there's alternatives to that, um, has been rather tough. So how do you go about that? Like, how do you go about getting them, uh, say a Mondo Cannon in somebody's hand? Like, are you doing this at fly shows? Are you, uh, just word of mouth, taking it to the river? What are you doing? Yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of it is, you know, uh, face-to-face interaction or, uh, you know, and, and today a face-to-face interaction, uh, occurs quite a bit online, but, um, our goal is to, to interact with as many, as many people as possible, like person to person, not just trying to sell them, you know, some engineered tool to go out and, you know, catch as many fish. We kind of want to sell, we want to sell our narrative along with our, with our product of like, look, just because you're a fly fisherman doesn't mean you'd be the jerk to somebody else that happens to have a spin rod in their hand. Um, and you don't, you don't need to, you don't need to exclude someone because they may not have, you know, the, the, the highest end rod available. Um, we're all out here for the same thing. And, um, yeah, just, just to sell them the, the narrative that fly fishing isn't a country club sport and it isn't an exclusive for this sport. And in fact, it's, inclusive if you want to make it that way for me fly fishing i like to fly fish by myself but a lot of the time i like i prefer to go with friends uh, to go with people it, it just makes it that much more fun it, you're right it's, it's sharing the experience and you know you just you just uh, reminded me of something that uh, years ago i think when i was in my early 20s or even late teens i was intimidated to walk into a fly shop there was kind of an aura there absolutely that i hated yeah. and and i not that it it never really has gone away. I'm sure there's some shops out there where it's kind of, uh, you know, more, more about the ego. But I just, I just wish we didn't have that because you know I'm walking in to buy some fur and some feathers. Where's the attitude come from? I don't, I don't get it. Never did. No, absolutely, absolutely. I've had, I've had, you know, friends going to fly shops. Um, you know, I'm obviously I'm not going to name the shops, but um, and and the the guys are absolutely jerks to them. You know, just snobby, like, hey, I'm I'm working in a fly shop, so you know, um, I don't have time for you, even though you're here to give me money. Um, I, I you, you don't you don't know what you're talking about, so I don't know. If I have time to even deal with you, kind of a deal. And I, you know, that's that's something that I, I have zero patience for. You know, it, coming up, learning, learning, or becoming a guide. I guess it'd be 2002 was my first summer guiding. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I had to do my time in the shop. And I'm not saying that I wasn't that guy that was maybe short or annoyed with the new guy asking ridiculous questions. Um, but that, that sort of, that sort of attitude, I think is unfortunately fairly pervasive. And I, I, that that's, that's part of the fly fishing industry that we'd like to help usher out the door and never to never be seen again. Kind of a deal. I really think it's changing though. Like you say, you're going to have the guard that's always fished this rod and will always fish that rod till the day they die. And there's, there's, there's room for that. There's nothing wrong with that. But, um, if you're not like for me, I'm a real loyal, loyal person. And when I find a brand that I relate to on a deeper level, not just a fly fishing level, but when you connect with something, there's a loyalty there and you want to, you want to use that product. You want to support that company. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I think that's fantastic. I think that's fantastic as long as, as long as, you know, those brands are, you know, kind of, uh, pushing kind of 
in my mind, pushing where you'd like fly fishing to go and the narrative that you'd like to see wrapped around fly fishing. I think, I think that's totally reasonable. What would you say, uh, who would you say has been the most influential person in your uh, learning curve through this uh, sport? You know, I, it's, it's hard to like that question's tough just because it's been, it's been such a long process. I mean, I learned to fly fish when I was 14. Uh, well, maybe it was younger than that. I think it was like, I was around 12. Um, standard deal. My dad, you know, got a second fly rod and I grabbed his old, uh, his, his old fly rod, um, and learned to cast in the backyard. And then, you know, over, over the course of, I don't know, however many years that is, I, I, there's been various people that have been influential, I think in my, in my fishing career, I think overall, it'd probably be my, my buddy Tanner. Um, he's probably been the most influential and he, and, simply because he and I did all this fly fishing as I, as I grew through the sport and have done all this, he and I are the ones that were always together fishing. And we, you know, we kind of learned together. We learned all the waters here in Wyoming and Idaho together. Um, and so I, I probably, probably my, my buddy Tanner, he's, and he actually, he actually happens to own a, um, a 10 car Rodco, um, a, a rod company also. So. All right. That's cool. If, if you could change something about our sport, we kind of, I don't want to, you know, beat it to death, but, uh, what comes to mind you'd like to see changed in fly fishing? You know, there's a lot. Um, but I, I, I think just overall, I think just, just drop the ego. I mean, we're at the end of the day, we're, we're just fishing for trout. We're just fishing for tarpon. We're just fishing for bonefish. There, I, I, I have, a, I get confused where, when there's a lot of ego floating around, um, at a fly shop or at the bow ramp or at the, you know, the local, you know, bead or wherever everybody's fishing or, you know, at the bar, however, however that goes down, however people within the fly fishing world, uh, interact. I, I think I'd like to see that go away. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, we're just, we're chasing fish. That's all we're doing. You know, I, I, I think, I think the ego is what I'd like to see disappear. You spend a lot of time still, uh, Taylor at the time bench or is that, are you just uh, too busy right now? You know, I, <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I, I don't, um, I'll, I'll spend some time at the, at the time bench when I'm, I'm going to do some saltwater fishing, um, just saltwater that there's less, I think overall there's kind of, you know, less variety than you would see in your standard trout box and they're, they're larger. So they're, they're easier to tie. They're fairly expensive at the fly shop. So all that, all that mashed in together kind of tie saltwater flies, the trout flies, I've, I've kind of gone away from tying those. I just, I think it's lack of time. Yeah. Um, I think if I had spare time, I, I really enjoy it. I mean, I've got piles and piles of tying material that, you know, with the best of intentions when I bought it to tie up piles and piles of flies and it's just never, just, just hasn't come to fruition. Yeah, no, I get it. I know for me personally, it's a winter thing. I mean, I, I tie year round, don't get me wrong, but at least in the winter, sometimes you, you know, when there's uh I'm, I'm up in Canada here. So when there's a, you know, half a foot of snow on the ground, um, you know, um, I, it's a perfect time to tie. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've got two younger kids and, and a wife and always trying and running Mondo. And then, you know, in the summertime I guide and then in the wintertime I operate a, a, a grooming snowcat at Grand Targhee Ski Resort. So with all of that mashed in together, it's, it's tough to find time to tie. Taylor, who are you guiding for? Is it for your own company or? 
No, I, um, I, I work for a, a lodge um, here in Teton Valley, Idaho. Uh, Teton Valley Lodge is the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Berry is who I work for. Fantastic operation. Um, you know, I've worked for various outfitters here. Um, the outfitter that I worked for before Teton Valley Lodge, fantastic operation also, Three Rivers Ranch. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty lucky to have – so many different outfitters in, in this area that I, that I had a chance to work for and learned a lot from the guys that I worked for at each one of those out or worked with at each one of those outfitters. And that's, you know, kind of molded how I guide and, you know, essentially how I fish. And, um, it, it's pretty awesome. Were you, uh, out on the river today guiding? No, actually I've had the last couple of days off. So, you know, I've, uh, I've been working with, uh, working on all of, you know, fulfilling orders for Mondo, you know, working on some of the marketing stuff for Mondo. And then next week, actually, we're doing, um, we're putting, we're doing a film with a bunch of brands, uh, mainly, uh, a, a new brand called Trestle. Um, uh, those guys are coming out here to Teton Valley and we're doing a, we're doing a film that kind of talks about and, uh, delves into what we've talked about of, you know, bridging or bringing fly fishing kind of out of the country club attitude and more into the light of, you know, action sports and out, the outdoor world and kind of taking our sport of fly fishing and shedding some light on it as if it were, you know, it belongs more in the outdoor world or the action sports world. So it's a logical extension of all those, all those activities. And, and that's what the film is about. And then the final night of the film, um, we've done over, uh, over the summer, we've done what we've called Mondo campouts, simple as that. And it's an open invitation to anybody who wants to come and we're going to have a big bonfire. And then the next day we're all going to go fishing together. So, um, I don't know when this airs, but if, uh, if this airs before, uh, September 28th, um, everybody's invited to Seacom Valley, Idaho. Cool. Come hang out. Yeah, no, I'll have it up before that. Um, that's awesome. I think, I mean, let's face it, social media has played a huge role in that. I was chatting with a, a guide uh, a few weeks back, and we we're having a, a similar conversation in the fact that uh, things are changing. I mean, uh, I always think now, when I think of a fly fishing guide and, and some of the, uh, the crew in it now, I'm thinking snowboard crowd, surf crowd. It's kind of a similar, I mean, you, you're dealing with a lot of whitewater a lot of the time. Um, and there's so many different aspects. You're out in nature, you're out in beautiful places. Uh, and a lot of these places you got to hike to. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, uh, the social media thing, you know, a lot of people, and, uh, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deny that I haven't been annoyed when I've seen a picture of someone holding a fish in a spot that I've kind of, kind of hold sacred. But I, I think, I think as a general rule, social media has been a good thing. Um, and I think, there's been a lot of negativity from the fly fishing world and social media saying it's blowing up their spots or it's doing this. And, and that, then that may be true. That may be true. However, I think social media, um, there's a, there's an element of social media that people aren't talking about that is exposing other species of, of fish that are, that are attainable with a fly rod, you know, like, you know, uh, in the fly fishing world, carp has always kind of been a big, you know, well, it's been kind of an underground thing. And over the, over the years, it's kind of gotten bigger and bigger. And I think, I think that's a species that's really blown up with the social media world. I think bass fishing uh, on the fly is really blown up. I, there's, if there's, if there's a fish that lives within or feeds within 10 feet of the surface of the water, it, you can catch it with a fly rod. So the thought that like, Oh, social media is bringing more people to the sport. Well, that may, that may be true. However, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be standing in your favorite river in Montana. They may be, you know, fishing their local bass pond or crappie pond. I mean, I take people fishing 
all summer and and they they come and say this is the only time i fly fish because it's the only place i can fish for trout and I'm like whoa, whoa whoa what you're from missouri and you live next to a pond They're like, yeah there's bass and crappie and whatever in the pond down the street from my house it's like well you don't have to come to idaho to fly fish you can you know hone your skills on the on the pond down the street and, they, and that's like a mind-blowing uh concept to them that just because fly fishing has been so heavily positioned in the trout world um you know the tarpon world the bonefish permit world that that's that's been a, uh, those have been common species to target with a fly rod but all the other ones in between those those are all potential you know targets with a fly rod and you can do that anywhere on the planet social media is playing a role um to open the doors and open people's minds to hell you don't need to be standing in montana Idaho, or wyoming to fly fish you can do it anywhere i mean if you're a surfer and you're going you're going to costa rica bring your fly rod to the beach and surf surf the trough right there in the breakers there's snook and there's rooster fish and there's all kinds of fish in the surf um if you're going to i don't know family reunion in minnesota take your fly rod and go go to the local pond and teach the kids how to fly cast to catch bass i mean it, it like trout is, is such a drop in the bucket for the species of fish that will eat a fly yeah no absolutely and it, you know that's a fine balance because i know i think from my own kind of mindset years ago okay well if everybody's into the sport then my favorite lake's going to be crowded but we 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 need to grow the sport on so many levels number one conservation the more people spending money the, the more things are going to get looked after right uh number two if you're trying to sell your brand you want to get the rod into somebody's hand so i mean it's it in my mind, like you said, it doesn't mean it crowds those blue ribbon trout waters necessarily. That's right. If we, you know, as the greater fly fishing community, and I, you know, I don't, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think if we, we encourage people to fish in their local water, you know, whatever, wherever that might be, I, I, I think there's ample room for fly fishing to grow um, without everybody getting cagey and, and weird and like possessive of what, what they love and what they're so passionate about is their home water. Yeah, it's good stuff. So um, tell me, Taylor, so if I'm looking to get my uh, my hands on a, a Mondo fly rod, a Canon, or maybe uh, your reels, uh, some of these wild-looking graphics you got that, I, re- I really got a kick out of that, actually. It really popped. Where where, do you, where do, Is this brick and mortar? Is this strictly online? How does somebody get a hold of uh, Mondo? Yeah, well, uh, Mondo as a brand has only been around for right at a year now. Um, and so we've discussed with a couple of bricks and mortar retail spaces uh, to carry our stuff. And then and, and we, we didn't necessarily, um, we weren't necessarily told no, we were told maybe. And at the end of the day, Levi and I just kind of said, well, let's just focus on, let's spend our dollars instead of chasing retail space. Let's, let's spend our dollars on doing these Mondo campouts and trying to be as involved in the, all the different uh, community, fly fish communities around the West as much as we can spend the money there um, as opposed to trying to, you know, push into retail spaces. So we're, we're, we're strictly online at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, at mondoflyfishing.com is where you can pick up uh, what you need. What about uh, your Instagram tag? Yeah, the, the, less, the less egos, more amigos. Well, there's that. But I mean, if somebody's looking for you on Instagram, where do they go? On Instagram, um, it's just mondoflyfishing. Yeah, like um, I chatted with uh, Joseph three weeks ago or so, and he said, "You know what? You got to talk right. to these guys." And I appreciate him putting uh, putting me on to you because uh, it's it's been real interesting chatting with you. And I think the future of our sport looks so darn good. Absolutely, yeah. And Joe and Joe's one of those those guys. The the, the passion, like 
I, I, I only wish I, I had the passion that Joe has for fly fishing. Like, you know, I, I've, I've done it for so long. It just has kind of become what I do. And Joe is kind of, you know, he's, he's found it more recently. And the, the stoke is just, it's mind boggling and it's awesome uh, to watch because it, it's kind of like, you know, watching, watching your kids, like, you know, discover the world. Watching Joe kind of discover fly fishing has been pretty awesome. You know, he's always, he's always got some new idea or he's like, Hey, what a bit, what about this or this or this? I, you know, I, I've moved past that so long ago. I don't remember what it feels like, but like talking with Joe and hanging out with Joe, like the stoke, the stoke for fly fishing is like, it's serious coming from Joe. And it's awesome to see uh, new guys coming into the sport that are so pumped about it. And Joe's one of those guys. Yeah. It's, it's infectious stuff for sure. Hey, you got any uh, crazy, yeah, yeah. crazy stories from your years on the water? Uh, I know you've done a lot of guiding. Um, you must have a few. Yeah, you know, there's, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a few. Uh, you know, rescuing people out of the river, uh, people that you know kind of get in over their head. On uh, a, a lot of my guiding is done on the South Fork of the Snake, which is which is a pretty big piece of water um, in the summertime, and it's it, it's flat. Um, it doesn't really get the um, you know, white water, like, uh, like you'd see on like the snake out of Jackson, but, um, but it has heavy hydraulics and heavy seam lines and people kind of that, that aren't as educated or aren't as experienced see that. And then they get on the river and they get kind of, they get caught in situations where they probably shouldn't be because it's a big, big, fast moving piece of water. And it's, it's, it looks reasonably flat, but the hydraulics and the seam lines on, 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 on that river are giant. So, you know, it seems like every summer there's, there's some event where you're you're picking up someone's yard sales. They flip their boat and picking up their bags and they're bobbing down the river and you get to pull them out of the river. Those are those are always kind of the exciting elements of, of guiding. Um, you know, other than that, like I've been lucky. I, I don't have too many wild wild stories. Everything kind of goes as planned. The worst case scenario is you show up at a boat ramp and your shuttle's not there, your truck's not there. That's yeah. that's probably the, the worst case scenario. First first world problem. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. You got to sit there and wait 20 minutes for your, the shuttle, the drivers to bring your truck. But other than that, it's, um, I don't, you know, no, nothing too crazy. Well, hey, man, I, uh, again, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. It's been Taylor Barlow, co-founder of Mondo Fly Fishing. Look them up. Amazing company, amazing values, and I wish you success, my friend, in the future. I, I appreciate it, Mark. Thanks for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you would like to hear on the show. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.